Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, Psalm 83. Now, Psalms, the Psalms are either written by David or sort of compiled by David. Um, and so, <clears throat> under the inspiration of Scripture, we have the collection of the Psalms. And uh, you'll notice one of the reasons I like the Psalms are <clears throat> uh, they're calming. Uh, they are, they're not necessarily doctrinal in purpose, uh, but they bring up doctrine as a part of life. Uh, so it is more about you and I um, growing in the Lord. It is about the emotion of serving the Lord. Uh, it, it is about priorities. This, the psalmist does come up with a lot of priorities. Now, notice if you would Psalm 84, verse 1. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord. Amiable Hebrew word is for dearly beloved. How something you just delight in. Um, verse 2, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. Do you hear the passion uh, about this young uh, writer? Uh, don't know who it was, but David loved it and put it in this collection of psalms. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Notice if you would. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even thine altars. So in the uh, temple, uh, the birds could get around, and they would nest up in the very top of the temples and right there overlooking the presence of God. So he says, even the sparrows and the swallows. And notice he said, uh, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Do you notice a personal connection in this? My King, my Lord, my God. Notice this, blessed are they now, I, we're going to look at um, the man that's blessed of God, oh, to be blessed of God. Everybody in this room would say, I'd like for the Lord to bless me. Well, here's one of the secrets, okay? Notice if you would, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Notice, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them. Notice if you would, we're going to skip down to verse number uh, 9. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No, here's, here's blessing. Blessing is, is either mentioned with blessing, the word, or the actual definition in three places. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. So notice the word blessed is used three times. Now watch this in verse 12. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Notice verse number five. Blessed is the man whose strength 
is in thee. And notice verse 4. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. Now, you're going to notice, somebody asked me this week, a young Christian, they said to me, Pastor, can I ask you a question? Um, what's the significance of the altar, praying at the altar? And I said, well, the altar has always been a place where people come to meet with the Lord, the Lord's presence. It's more symbolic, but it is set apart by God. There was an altar in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, this is the same as the altar. Uh, oh, they would come and offer a lamb on the altar, but the lamb has already been offered. And so we can come to an altar and say, Lord, could I just talk to you? Now, you're going to notice that the altar and the house of God is very special to the psalmist, both David and to the sons of Korah. Uh, many times there's, there's different authors of, of, of the Psalms. Uh, David wrote most of them, uh, but you're going to notice the compilation of them. And they all have a, a, a sense of warmth toward God. Now, now folks, listen today. I wished that I could help everybody in this room, that I could challenge you to have a place where when you get too busy, when you, uh, when you sort of get out of sorts, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Sort of get out of sorts a little bit, okay? Uh, and, and maybe uh, your thoughts begin to wander. Your priorities get messed up a little bit. I'm not talking, but you're out uh, in gross sin in the, in the world, and you're robbing banks, and, and you're beating up old ladies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about here you and I are where just something is not right. We just don't feel that closeness to the Lord like we once did. You need a place where just you, forget everybody else, but you wake up in the morning and say, you know, Lord, I don't feel that same connection I did six months ago. I want it back. And so you come to this altar or you go into this place in your house where you meet with the Lord so regularly that that's the place. Uh, it's, how many have ever played tetherball? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's a pole that goes up there. It's got a rope on it. It's got a ball. And so you pound it this way, and somebody stands up and they pound it that way. And the idea is whoever can get the ball round up in, the right, in their direction wins. Well, uh, the goal for a Christian is that you have an anchor someplace in your life where whenever the old devil starts pounding the ball the wrong way, uh, you know where to go to win back the presence of the Lord. Now, understand this. A Christian that's trusted Christ as Savior, it's always that way. You're God's child. You'll notice here in verse number three, he says, uh, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. There's never, for the, God, for the Christian, there should be never a time when you don't feel like you're God's child. Now, sin that we do on purpose will make us feel like that. But the fact is that when you're God's child, you're always God's child, just like our own children. You can't remove the blood from their bodies, and if you did a blood test, you could tell that that's my son or that's my daughter or that I am his son or his daughter. And so when the blood of Christ is washed away our sins, we have the DNA of God, and it can't be changed. Now, you and I may not feel like we're God's child because of things we've done, 
There needs to be a place where everybody in this world has two things happen to them. Number one, you can get back to the Lord. And you can make things right. And number two, where you can enjoy his blessings. Where you know the simple things to do to be blessed of God. So you'll notice here the altars are mentioned and they're very precious. I wish I could get our people to consider there's a reason why this altar is 100 feet long. It's so that the people of God can take this place and come into this room and say, I don't know about my closet at home or beside my bed as often, but I know when I come into God's house, I can get down and I can meet with the Lord and he'll hear me. This place is the place to meet with the Lord. And this altar is a special place. It ought to be a special place to you because it is to the Lord. Notice what he says in verse number three. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house. Even the sparrows found the place where it's home to them, to where they're in the presence of God. Notice, if you would, and the sparrow, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, where I can bring my family, where we can, we can worship the Lord together, where we can be close to the Lord. And that's what an altar is for. It's not any more special. Those steps are not any more special than the, uh, the steps in the back going down to the ball fields. But except that they're in the house of God, it's a place where you and I can come and meet with the Lord. And I would urge you to, number one, take advantage of that when you sense a little bit of distance between you and the Lord. That you would say, you know, I'm going to get out of my seat and I'm going to go talk to the Lord for a few minutes. Or maybe there's a great burden that you have. I'm going to go talk to the Lord and get rid of my burden. I would, every one of us could sense the presence of the Lord in this place and take advantage of his altars. You'll notice, if you would, um, uh, now, now take just a minute and let's look at the, uh, the, the place to get back to the Lord, the altar of God. It doesn't have to be here. It can be at your home. It can be, your bed can be an altar. Um, it's just that this, these steps serve no other purpose. But at my home, if I get down beside my bed, uh, I sleep on the bed. I walk by it. it. It can lose its specialness. Now, no place lose its specialness when you get on your knees and say, Lord, could I talk to you? That can be anywhere. But when you come to church, it ought to be a place where you say, I, I, need, to, I need to listen now. Block everything else. This is the place of the presence of the Lord. I need to remember, when I come into this place, this is a holy place. That's what he's trying to say here. Notice in verse 1, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. Lord, I long to be. And the temple had a court outside it. He said, even when I get into the courts of God's temple, he said, it just, it's just something about the Lord is there. And so that's what the house of God is supposed to be. That's why the Lord commands us, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is. Now, this place has been dedicated for that. These, this building is just sticks and bricks. But it's been dedicated to the Lord. And it ought to be something special for all of us in this room. When you come in here, it calms your heart. That's what it does here in this passage. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be an usher and watch the doors 
than I would uh, to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He said, then to go out there and have a home where I did the wrong thing. I'd rather be temporary. All the ushers are temporary. They're only here three times a week. But he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather meet with the Lord seldom than to dwell in the house, than to dwell in the houses of wickedness. Now, notice, let's take just a minute, and the the ingredients of blessing. Notice number one. Uh, If you would, uh, uh, we need to learn uh, in verse number four, uh, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. To dwell is to spend time there most of your life. In other words, it's the place you're there most of the time. It is a place where you spend more time than any place else. Well, now, uh, he said, I want you to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want you to uh, make a home here. Um, uh, I want you to have a place where you can feel like it is yours. And I, I want it to be the Lord's house. I, oh, yes, I can go to a ball game, uh, and if I'm a big fan, maybe I have box seats, and it's once a week or I mean, for a while, and, and, and it becomes sort of a home, and I make friends there. I heard somebody say this morning, all my friends are in this church, this place. And, you know, it's everything to me. The people here are everything to me. That's what he's talking about. Notice what he says? Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still, they will be still praising thee. There is a consistency in the Christian that dwells in God's house that you'll notice in many years they're still praising the Lord. It is that anchor of the tetherball. It is the pole of the tetherball. Uh, you can't get very far because the rope's attached. And so uh, those that dwell in the Lord's house can't get too far. Oh, there are Christians that are away from the Lord in the Lord's house, but you can't stay too far away because the presence of the Lord is in this place. And sooner or later, the Holy Spirit's going to go like this to your heart. So it is a place to learn to dwell, to teach yourself to dwell. It's a priority, and it's a priority for a family. We're going to dwell in the house of the Lord so that they understand why. It keeps us from getting too far from the Lord. It is a place where we can meet with the Lord, where the Lord can speak to our hearts. Now, uh, notice he said, blessed is the man. So I'm going to bless everyone that loves my house, everyone that purposes to bring your family to dwell in the house of God. I'm going to bless that person. There's step number one to the blessing of God. But notice number two. Now, that one's a little simpler in the sense that you just get in your car and say, we're going to church today, um, uh, and you make it a priority. Uh, that, that's about the simple truth of it. But the second part of it is, when I come to the Lord's house, I'm going to block out the world, and I'm going to focus on the Lord. That one can be hard. How many have ever been in the Lord's house? Your mind's all over the place. Raise your hand. Okay. Therein is the battle for this blessing. I want the Lord to bless me. So I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to go to the Lord's house, but I want to dwell there. I want my mind and heart and body and soul to be here. There is challenge number two for the blessing. Notice, if you would, number two. Uh, Here's uh, the second way to be blessed of God. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. 
in whose heart are the ways of them. So the Lord says, I'm going to bless you if you love my house and if, you, if you're there, if you dwell there. But number two, I'm going to bless you if you rely upon me. Now, this one's a big one. Um, I'm speaking this morning on the rich young fool. <clears throat> he totally missed this. And many of us in this room, we rely upon our company to give us our checks. We rely upon our doctor to keep us healthy. Nothing wrong with being thankful for your company or your doctor. But notice what he says, blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. Lord, I'm going to trust you if you want to use the doctor, great. Lord, if you want to use my company, great. But I'm trusting you. Do you see the difference? There are sometimes we trust things or people or places and not the Lord. He said, I'll bless you if you learn to trust me. Now, how do we do that? Well, we learn to say, Father, I, look in verse number two, my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. I think in order for you to have the strength of God, you and I need to cry out for his strength. Lord, I can't do this without you. And, and I want you to understand, our human nature and our pride causes us to say, I can do this. I can go to work. I can do this. I can do my job. But the, the blessed man says, Lord, I can't do my job the way you want it unless I rely upon you. Would you strengthen me? Lord, would you be the one that gives me the joy? Lord, would you be the one that gives me the mindset to figure out the things at work that I can do a great job for you? It changes who you're working for. It changes who you're trying to please. Lord, help me to be a blessing to my husband this week, today. Lord, help me to be a blessing to my wife today. Lord, help me to be a blessing to my children today. And so you'll notice here, he says, I, I can't do it myself, Lord. Oh, I can feed them and clothe them, but Lord, I can't meet their emotional needs without you. He said, I'll bless that man that relies upon me for their strength. I'll bless that woman that relies upon me for their strength. It's not that, I, I, and, and I'm not saying that you rely upon the church for your strength. It's with him. Don't confuse this building with the Lord. I, I, Lord, I'm going to rely upon you. But when I come into your house, I, it's going to be a place where I focus upon you. Lord, I need your strength. I need you to come down and give me that which I can't buy, the strength of the Lord. And it is an emotional strength. I'm not talking about the physical strength. Oh, there are times whenever you can pray about that, and the Lord says, I'll bless you. I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you physical strength. Now, we may have to go walking, or we may have to do some things ourselves to help us, but the Lord says, I will give you strength if you trust me to. Notice what he says uh, in verse number four, uh, verse number five. Blessed is the man in whose strength is in thee. Now watch this. In whose heart are the ways of them. 
So in other words, it's in my heart to trust the strength of the Lord to do the things I'm supposed to do, to go the ways that I'm supposed to go. Lord, I need your strength of guidance. I need to know that I'm relying upon you. Do you want to be blessed? Well, number one, uh, verse four, dwell in the Lord's house. Let your heart delight to be in this place to meet with the Lord. Number two, let the Lord be your strength. Let him be the, the, the ability for you to get up in the morning and go to work and do it with joy and do it with, uh, with purpose and do it with heart. And people look at you and say, boy, you seem to be cheerful this morning. It's hard to do that every day. But that's the blessing of God. One day at a time. Now, then notice number three. I like this one. Uh, in verse number 11 and 12. No good thing we withhold with them, them from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Lord, I'm going to do what I, what I know you want me to do. I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to trust you to take care of the results. Now, I'm going to give you sort of a sneak preview a little bit of this morning's message. If you have your Bible, turn with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I want you to notice this. Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see this. And this is what I think the Lord means when he said, trusting in me. Trusting in me and letting me provide for you. Let me help you. Let me take care of things. Now watch what he says. Verse 25, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Don't worry about your life. What you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on it. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Now, I don't think anybody in this room worries about what you're going to eat tomorrow or what you're going to close to put on. We probably have all of us enough uh, either in, 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 our, uh, in our refrigerators or in our closets where we could go for a long time without much worry. But what he's saying here is notice he says, it is the concern that you have for the need that I've promised to meet if you trust me. Now, notice if you would, verse 26, he gives an example of trust. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? He said, look at the way the birds do. And yet the Lord feeds them. They're not fretting about A, B, and C. And notice if you see what he says in verse number 27. I think this is a really great thought about trusting the Lord. How many of you, when you were growing up, you had a line on a door that as you grew, your mom or dad would mark on that door as you grew up a little bit. 
How many of you had one of those? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, so you're growing, you look up, you say, how tall am I? You're four foot eight. Okay, four foot eight. Okay. Uh, and then a month or two, month, three months later, you're four foot eight and a half. You're growing. Oh, that's exciting. And uh, okay, you're, you're five foot nine. And there are some that I, I know they're in our church. Well, I'm six foot two. Come on, come on, come on, six three. Come on, come on, come on, six four. Uh, the Lord says, what are you worried about how tall you are? Look, if you would, in the, in the verse, in verse number 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to a stature? Now, <laughs> he doesn't say, and I think this is very unique of the Lord, but it gets passed over. How many of you can add a cubit to your stature? Well, you know, it is possible to go on a stretch machine and, and uh, do all kinds of little gyrations and gain a half inch. You know what he said here? Do anybody know how much a cubit is? It's 18 inches. I dare say none of us have said, I can't wait till I'm a foot and a half taller. And he says, why are you worrying about that? That's ridiculous for you to say, when am I going to get a foot and a half taller? He said, I take care of that. But you have to trust me. You lay in your bed and you grow at night. You're not worried about that. Then why do you look at the, the marks on the wall and say, I need another foot and a half? He says, you're, it's being foolish. Trust me. And let me bless you with what you need. How many of you have ever thought it would be nice to be like 6'9", 6'10"? How many ever thought about something like that? You know, I like to be taller. I like to be taller. Have you ever thought about the bed you have to sleep in? Your feet hang off? Have you ever ta- thought about, uh, there there's used to be a guy in our church that was 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, He'd come in, he'd duck underneath the door frames. Oh, that'd be a miserable life. What if you ever forgot once? You know, in this rental we have, I'm in an apartment, and, and the shower is, is a glass shower, but it's got a metal rail around the top of it. And Janet never has to worry about it, but it's at five feet nine, right about there. And if I'm not paying attention, whop, I hit that thing. And there's sometimes I think, but I wish I'd have raised that up. I never think, well, I wish I'd have been shorter uh, or, 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 Lord, what are you worried about a foot and a half on your stature? I'll take care of you. I'll take care of how tall you are. I'll take care of everything. Notice what he says. Look over in this. Look in verse number 28. Why take your thought for raiment? Now, I know there are people in this room that thought about their clothes. I don't know about you, but... When I go into uh, Joseph A. Banks or I go into uh, a men's warehouse, the first place I go to, like I went into a shoe store the other day, bought a new pair of shoes, I went to the clearance rack. How many of, how many of you do that? Okay. You go right to the clearance rack to see if they got your size and see if the color's right. Um, I think this suit was $29. It may have been 15 on the clearance rack. 100% wool. You know, I don't know how much it should have been worth, but it must have, I don't know what it was. Somebody had a brain freeze and put it on the rack. And so I look at it. How many of you 
well, I got to go get this, or I got to go get that. He said, look at what he says. Verse 28, why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Notice what he says, verse 30. Wherefore, here's the lesson. If God so clothed the grass of the field, why are we worried about how tall we are or the clothes that we wear? Let's learn to trust Him. Lord, I'll leave these things in your hands. And so verse 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We lose the blessing of God when we start trying to figure things out ourselves. Let's simplify our life. And so, Lord, I just want you to bless me. I just want you to be first in everything. Help me not to worry about the clothes that I wear. Lord, when the day comes for me to go buy clothes, Lord, would you bless that day? Would you send me the places that I need to go? Lord, uh, would you, uh, I did that this week. I had a pair of shoes that wore out. I said, Lord, would you send me the place I need to go? So I talked to somebody else on the staff. They said, well, I went to this place. And I went there first. I said, nah, went to other places and finally went to this last place. Sure enough, it was on sale. I got just what I wanted. I said, Lord, thank you. Do you understand? He takes care of those that trust him. But you and I can't just say, I can do it myself. I can go find my own shoes. You might be able to, and I might be able to, but the Lord says, trust me, and I will bless you. You know, folks, it's a different kind of life. It's the life of a George Mueller. It's the life of a David Livingston. It's the life of a, a, a Hudson Taylor. Lord, I could do this, I could do that, but I'd just rather trust you. I don't see it, but Lord, I want to trust you. Would you provide for me? Lord, I, I don't see how I'm going to get healthier, but Lord, I'll trust you if you want me to or not. I don't know, but Lord, I'll trust you. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Could I encourage you today? Let the Lord bless you by your faithfulness to the Lord's house. Let the Lord bless you today by, by, by the way, uh, you'll notice, this is what he says, uh, that he, you rely upon him for your strength, your emotional strength. You're not up and down like this, but you're steady. Most Christians are not that way because they don't rely upon the strength of the Lord. But he says, I'll bless you, and then I'll bless you if you'll trust me. Today, he's a good God. He'll bless you if you do those three simple things. Let's bow forward in prayer. Father, today I do thank you for your rich blessings to us. And Lord, I know we lose blessings because we try to do things ourselves, Lord, myself included. But I thank you, dear Lord, when I trust you and prove this verse to be true, even with the little things of life. Dear Lord, would you give us strength? Would you give us your blessing today? As a church family and as individuals, in your name we pray, amen.